tonight. Book of Judges, chapter 20. We'll go through a little bit about what we had the other night. Speak on some different things. Judges, chapter 20. We'll begin there in verse 13. <clears throat> I've entitled this message, What About You? What about you? Judges chapter 20, verse 13. On Sunday night, <clears throat> we was talking about the left-handed stone slingers and these men and their capabilities. We talked a little bit about why the nation of Israel had come together because there was a grave sin that had taken place and all the tribes of Israel had gathered together in this big battle and they were actually 11 tribes going up to fight against one. And as the 11 tribes are going to fight up against one, we see a number of different things has taken place. The Bible tells us in verse 13, the Bible says that as they met together, uh, the eleven tribes met with the tribe of Benjamin and said, Deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. The children of Benjamin were numbered at that time, the cities, but 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword. Beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered, 700 chosen men. Among all this, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone can sling stones at a hair breadth and not miss. And the men of Israel, beside Benjamin, were numbered 400,000 men. So you can see that you can see that the numbers are, uh, are uh, uh, gravely in favor of the 11 tribes. Of course, there's a whole lot more of them than there are of the tribe of Benjamin. And this tribe of Benjamin, they would not deliver up uh, these folks of Belial, these folks who were serving these false gods, these folks who were, um, uh, in essence, hanging on to these people who were committing these terrible sins in their midst. They wouldn't let it go. And they were willing to fight to the death for it. Uh, and so they went up against God. They were going to go up against uh, their own people, God's people, going to go up against their own people, 11 tribes. And there were 400,000 of the other 11 tribes. And the Bible says the children of Israel arose and they went up to the house of God and they asked counsel of God and said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. So it seems like here in the beginning there in verse 18, it seems like, well, we, these men, they definitely did the right thing. The 11 tribes before they engaged in combat against the other tribe, they did go before the Lord and they said, okay, Lord, is this, uh, is this something that uh, if we're gonna go up and fight against our brethren, who's gonna go up and fight against them first? You know, they went to seek counsel of God. And of course we would say, Yes, that is great advice. That is, yes, that is tremendous. That's exactly what you need to do. Seek the counsel of the Lord before you make another step. Uh, get the advice of God. What does God have to say about it? And the Bible says there in the text, the Bible says, yes, 
in essence, tells him, gives him the okay to go up and fight against the tribe of Benjamin. And he says that the nation of Judah is going to go up first. In verse 19, and the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day, 22,000 men. So 22,000 of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, slew, the Bible says, down to the ground, 22,000 men in that day. Well, I think it would be something that we would probably say to ourselves, Lord, I thought you wanted us to come out and fight this battle. I mean, here we lost 22,000 men. I thought, you know, you told, we ask you, we come before you, and ask you if this is what we need to do. And you said, yeah, go on out there. And we said, who's going to go up first? And who's going to go out there in the, in the first part of the battle? And you said, Judah's going to go out there. And we did just like you told us to do. And we went out there and 22,000 of our people died. I'm sure they was on their way back that day, kind of scratching their head, trying to figure out what was the problem and what was going on. We get into the next verse. The Bible says, in verse 22, that the people of the men of Israel encouraged themselves and set their battle array again in the place where they put themselves in array the first day. So it's like we see they came home and they were like, okay, you know what? We had a bad day. We just had a bad day. So we, they, the Bible says they encouraged themselves and they said, we're gonna do this thing again. We're gonna go out there. Hey, we're not quitters. We're gonna do this. Hey, God told us to go out there. So listen, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna do what we know we're supposed to do. I mean, those are the Benjamites. I mean, look what they're guilty of. We'll get, of it here, we'll get to that here in a minute. But look what they're guilty of. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna fight them and, and, and we're gonna really show them. We're not quitters. We're gonna do it. And the Bible says they encouraged themselves. And the people, the men of children of Israel, verse 22, encouraged themselves, set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves in array the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept sore before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord. And they come back and they're crying and they're all upset and they said, Lord, we lost, but we're gonna, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna do it again tomorrow and we're gonna really show them. God is, do we, do we need to go? The Bible says in verse 23, they asked counsel of the Lord saying, shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, go up against him. The children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And, the Benjamin, and Benjamin went out forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again, 18,000 men. Now, the first time 22,000 men died, you would say, man, I'll tell you what, uh, I don't know. Maybe we just had a bad day. Maybe we misunderstood something, but they came back. They encouraged themselves to the Lord. Of course, they were upset. They were crying and they were weeping, suffering such a tremendous defeat, 400,000 of them fighting against the tribe of Benjamin. And here they are losing thousands and thousands and thousands of men. And it makes absolutely no sense to them, I imagine, why this is happening. I mean, we asked the counsel of God. And and we went out there. God told us to go. He, we asked who goes out first. He said, put Judah out there first. That's exactly what we did. And we still lost. We encouraged ourselves, went out there again. We asked counsel of God. And we went out there and we still lost 18,000 men. 
It's a lot of people. So far here on the second day, we've lost 40,000 people. The losses were mounting up and things were not looking good. The Bible says in verse 26, and Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God. And they wept and they sat before the Lord and they fasted uh, that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings unto the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days saying, shall I yet go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? And so the third time they asked, is this something we need to do? And the Lord said, go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. And what I want you to notice about these three times is the first two times God told them to go up, but he never said, I'll deliver them into your hand. But he did the third time. You say, well, why did he do that the third time? Well, what was so different about what they did the third time than what they did the first two times? Well, the the third time what they did, I mean, did they not cry the first time when they came back? They sure did. Did they not cry and and ask ask God's advice the first time? Yes, they did. Whenever they came back, did they not cry and weep and ask God's counsel the second time? Did they not do that? Yes, they did. Well, what was so different about the third time than number one and number two? Well, I think we see the very the, the last time that this the last time that they came before the Lord, the Bible says in verse 26, they went to the house of God. The Bible says that they went before the Lord, they fasted until day, until evening. I don't recall any of these other things happening before. And watch this, perhaps not only it's not, uh, not it, it is important. The Bible says that they offered burnt offerings unto the Lord and peace offerings before the Lord. So what they do in verse 26 that they didn't do the rest of the time? Well, they made all kinds of peace offerings. They, made all, they did all kinds of sacrifices. They went up to the house of God. They prayed, they asked for advice, but they got themselves right before God before they went out. The other two times they didn't do that. The other two times they failed to do the offerings. They failed to do the sacrifices. Did they ask counsel of God? Yes, they did. Did they weep because they lost? Yes, they did. But the very last time that they asked for advice, they, they, they came into the house of God. They were weeping. They, were, they began to fast and they began to pray and they began to do peace offerings and they began to make sacrifices for, for the, uh, the covering of sins and they began to do all of these things that they didn't do before. And so the third time, after they'd done all those things, God said, go up, I'll deliver them into your hand. Just trying to get us to see real quickly here tonight how important it is that whenever we seek the face of God, is going before the face of God and asking advice good? Yes. But anytime we approach the throne room of God, we always want to make sure that we are doing what we can to get our hearts right before we come before the Lord. God, is there anything in me that's not right? Lord, before I lift up my prayers to you. God, before I ask anything. God, am I on praying ground here tonight? Lord, is is there anything between me and you? And if there is, God, I ask you to forgive me every time before I preach, and even up here as tonight. 
I was praying. I said, Lord, if there's anything in me here tonight that is not right before you, God, I pray that you would put your finger on it. I pray, God, you'd help me to uh, remind me of it, put your finger on it. I want to ask forgiveness of it. I said, God, if I don't know what it is, but I have done something, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me and cleanse me and wash me before I stand behind this pulpit and open up your word and preach to these folks here tonight. I said, God, I want you to, uh, to help me to preach your word because, God, I know that without you, I can't do anything. And I don't want to just be a, I don't want to just be a man up here that, that sounds like a, a tinkling brass and a sound. I don't, I don't want to be that, God. I want to be a man that is preaching forth your word with power and truth. And so, God, if there's anything in me here tonight that's not right, then cleanse me before I get up here and preach your word and be just as guilty as these right here that went to battle and didn't get their heart right before you before they did. And I think that's important for all of us in every area of our life. Man, we go before God. God, if there's anything in my life, Lord, I'm praying that you would put your finger on it. And, and Lord, help me. Uh, God, I'm asking for forgiveness. Cleanse me of that, whatever it is. That was one of the differences that I think that was, that was helping out in this situation right here. The third time that they prayed and went before God, they did peace offerings and sacrifice. In other words, they got their hearts right with God. They got cleansed before the Lord. Did they, the other two times, did they do? things right? Yeah, they asked counsel of God. That was perfect. That was great. They gathered together. Yes, that was perfect. That was great. But they were doing it in their own strength. About the first two times, God never said, I'll deliver them into your hand. But the third time they'd done all this, God said, he, God said, I would. Now, did they get victory? Yes, they did. God gave them victory. They went out and the Bible says there in, verse, uh, there in verse 30, the children of Israel, they went up against the children of Benjamin. On the third day, they put themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And so as they went out there, take a look at verse 35. The Bible says the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel and the children of Israel destroyed the Benjamites that day, 20 and 5,000 and 100 men. All these drew sword. That part near wipes them all out because there wasn't but just over around 26, 27,000 of them anyway. So that's a lot of people. It's almost the whole tribe of Benjamin gone. There's not a whole lot of them left, a few hundred of them. So we can see that at this point, maybe they would say, yes, we've been victorious and yes, God's been good, but they lost 40,000 people in the process. And by the way, why did God say, send Judah in first? What was that all about? What was so particular about Judah? Because remember the title of my message? What about you? What was so particular that Judah goes in first? Well, let's take a look at it. Let's go to Judges chapter 19. And take a look at verse 1. The Bible says it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel that there was a certain Levite surging on the side of Mount Ephraim who took unto him a concubine out of Bethlehem. What? Judah. And his concubine played the whore against him and went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem. What? Judah. And was there four whole months. So we see that the tribe of Judah had been, as we can see here in the text, the tribe here of Judah was guilty of, in essence, engaging in sexual acts with this lady, and they were guilty themselves. 
So whenever God says, send Judah in first, it was a judgment on Judah. They all gathered together. Now, now get this now. Kind of goes along with what Jason's been talking about. Judge not. All the nations gathered together, all 11 of them, and they're looking at Benjamin. You've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. And Judah was sitting here. They was the ones that kind of started the whole thing. And Judah was sitting here, and, and we see that the, uh, this, uh, this Levite, he had this concubine, she leaves. The Bible says she plays the whore against him, gone for four months. And for four months, she is down there in the, in the tribe of Judah. She goes down to her father's house, and she's in the tribe of Judah. The Bible says she's gone for four months, and while she's out there, the Bible says she played the whore against, against uh, the Levite. And so while she was down there, she was committing all these sexual acts and, and all these things with all these men down here in Judah. So after four months, the Levite, he gets up in verse three, the Bible says he arose, her husband arose, went after her to speak freely unto her, to bring her again, having a servant with him and a couple of asses. And brought him forth into her father's house. And when the father damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. So what does he do? He goes down to Bethlehem, Judah, and he's going to retrieve his concubine. So he gets down there, and, her, and, and his father-in-law is there. And when he gets down there, his father-in-law says, hey, why don't you come on in and, and stay for a little while and stay for a few days. And so he does. He stays for a little while. He stays for a couple days, and so he, they, they, they leave, they go to travel on, and, he, and he's, taking his, he's taking his concubine there with him, and as they're going along, the Bible shows us there that there were several places they could have stayed, but they decided not to, so what they did was is they said, you know, the Levite, he was like, no, I want to stay, I only want to stay in a place that belongs to our people, and so they went, the Bible says in verse 14, they passed on and went their way. The sun went down upon them, and when they were on their, they, and the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belongeth to Benjamin. And while they were down there, this old man, he comes out from the field, the Bible tells us. He's been working all day, comes out from the field. He meets the Levite and sees the concubine and the servant, sees all these folks. He says, well, hey, why don't you come on in with me? The Levite, he's sitting out on the street, don't have nowhere to go. He says, nobody's invited me to come in. A lot of the hospitality of those days back then was you saw a sojourner come in. You would say, hey, why don't you just come in and stay with us? You don't have to stay out here. Just come in and stay with us. That was the hospitality of the day. But there he was sitting out there on the street. It was dark. And he says, you know what? Nobody's invited me to, to come into their house. He says, well, I tell you what, why don't you come on with me? So he does. So him and his concubine, the servant, they go. And they stay with this old man in his home. In verse 22, we see great similarities between this and Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says, and now as they were making their hearts merry, they're all in the house. The Bible says, behold the men of the city, certain sons of who? Belial. Which is where we, in, which is where we are in chapter 20 and verse 13 that the tribe of Israel has come to get. So there were certain sons of Belial beset the house round about, and they beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, bring forth the man that came into thine house that we may know him. So here we can see the same sexual depravity that we could see there in 
Sodom and Gomorrah. And the man, the master of the house, he went out unto them and said, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you do not so wickedly, seeing that this man has come into my house, do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden. That's what Lot did. Here's my daughter and his concubine. Them will I bring out now. Humble them. Do with them as seemeth good to you. But unto this man do not such a vile thing. But the men would not hearken to him. So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them, and they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Well, she ended up dying on the doorstep. She died on the doorstep. He got up. She died in the middle of the night. He got up and said, all right, let's go. He saw her. He began to leave the house. There she was laying there with her hand across the threshold of the door. He told her to get up. She couldn't get up because she was dead. Sad story. So the Bible says this Levite, he picks her up, he brings her in the house, and he cuts her up into pieces. And he sends parts of her body to the other tribes of the nation of Israel. And when parts of her body arrive at the other tribes of the nation of Israel, everybody is awestruck. Everybody's stunned. And they're thinking to themselves, how could something so evil and wicked like this take place? I mean, if, there's, if, if, if this is what we have received, this must be a major offense against God's people. And so word begins to spread throughout all the tribes and all 11 tribes come to Benjamin to find out what is going on down here. What is so bad that we received such a message such as this? And so we all, they all get together and there in verse, there in chapter 20, there in verse 13, we see them all getting together. And the tribe of Benjamin is sitting there and the other tribes of the nation of Israel, the other 11, they're sitting there. And the, and, and the, the 11 tribes, they say, listen, deliver us up these men of Belial. They've done such a wicked thing so that we can put them to death. They deserve death. Look at their sin. This is evil. This is wicked. They deserve death. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't let it go. So when they went to God, I said, God, what do we do? God said, I'll tell you what you do. Put Judah in there first. They're the ones that started this thing. You put Judah in there first because, listen, all the 11 tribes are looking at Benjamin and saying, what you've done is worthy of death. What you have done has been despicable in the sight of God. What you have done is, is something that we can't even imagine. We've never seen perhaps something like this before. I mean, you have, you have got to get these people out of your country, out of your life, out of your home. They're infecting you. But in Judges chapter 19, whenever the concubine left, she went down to Judah for four months. And while she was down there for four months, the Bible says that she played a whore against, against the Levite, against her husband there. She played the whore against him. I wonder how many of the people of Judah were standing there thinking about this concubine as judgment was getting passed. I wonder how many of the people that were down there in Judah were standing there thinking about, man, what are we going to do about this? We're pretty guilty too. God says, I tell you what you do. You want to bring down your brother's back? 
You want to breathe down Benjamin's back? Was he wrong? Yes, he was. Was the sins he committed, were they terrible? Yes, they were. Listen, it is so bad. I mean, what, 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 they, what they did to this, what they did to this lady was inexcusable. It was terrible. It was wretched. It was beyond, I mean, it was sinful. It was beyond dark what they did to her. Just like a Sodom and Gomorrah then almost all over again. And what did God do? To Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed the place. So Judah was so heavily involved in this sin. But they're all gathered around, all the tribes. And Judah standing there, Judah standing there, casting stones, throwing judgment. So when they come before God and say, God, who'll be sending first? God says, Send Judah. And they lose 22,000 people. Send them again. 18,000 people. 40,000 people now did. Kind of makes us go back to, as we talked about last week, to the sin of Achan. Now, it wasn't when Achan, whenever he there in Judges chapter 7, we talked about how he, uh, how he had the wedge of gold and the garments and he put all those things and he put them in his tent and it was just him. And he went out there to fight. He went out there to fight and uh, with all the other ones and, and, and whenever they go out there, they come back and 36 of them died. 36 of those men died there in Joshua chapter seven because one man had defied God and hid this wedge of gold and these garments and these things that God told him not to keep. He brought it into his home. He brought it into his house. He hid it up underneath his tent. There he slept on it, slept on top of it. And here we see, here we see years later that the tribe of Benjamin guilty of sin. And there is one tribe, one tribe that has a few people in there that are living sinful. And because they're living sinful, it begins to infect everything around. What does the Bible say? A little leaven. Leavens the whole lump. And so a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And what we see is, is this leaven, this idolatry, this wickedness, it got into Benjamin. They, and, and the tribe of Benjamin wouldn't get this stuff out of their house. They wouldn't get this stuff out of the way. They wouldn't do nothing about, their, about these people that were in their tribe and it was bringing them down to a very low place. The Bible tells us in the scriptures that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If every man would examine his own self and look at his own life and say, well, you know, I do have this and I do have that. And as Brother Jason's been preaching on and, and talking about in Sunday school, Listen, these folks right here, not only did, they didn't just have a speck in their eye, both of them had two by four logs in their eyes. But yet they were looking at each other thinking, you're guilty of that, you're guilty of that. And the other one turns around and says, well, you're guilty of this and you're guilty of that. And they were all wrong. They were all living in sin. So God says, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. I know how to take care of Benjamin. And I know how to take care of Judah. Send Judah in first. And what did God do? God brought them down to their literal knees. 
Just like he did there in Joshua. I mean, Joshua, he got, I mean, Joshua and his people, what they did, they lost. They said, oh, well, it's just something small. We ain't got to worry about it. I mean, it's just a few people. We'll just take a few thousand men. I mean, we don't really need a whole lot. I mean, it's just the people of AI. It's not much. And ain't no point in taking all this right here. Listen, we'll just take a few men. We'll go up there. We'll fight them. Listen, we'll be back before breakfast is over. And they go up there to fight and they find themselves being chased by Ai down the mountain, losing people as they go. And they get back to the camp and they're brokenhearted and they're weeping, they're crying, they're trying to figure out, why did we lose this battle? Because there are some key components. For one, there was sin in the camp. There was sin, in the, there was sin within the camp. As we talked about last week, one sinner destroyeth much good. Listen, the way I live my life is just as important as the way you live your life. And the way you live yours is just as important as the way I live mine. We are all here in the same camp. Listen, whether it's in this church or whether it's just the body of Christ in general. And so what we see is, is that they had this sin that they would not get rid of and this sin was bringing them down just like it did there in Joshua. The same thing was taking place right here. And so we can see God says, I tell you what, we're gonna take care of both of this at the same time. Send Judah in first. And so they go out there and they begin to suffer and they begin to hurt and they begin to lose. Twice they went to God and said, Lord, do we go? And twice God says, yeah, go ahead. But it wasn't until they started making the sacrifices and getting themselves right with God that God then said, go up. I'll deliver them into your hand. It wasn't until they began to cleanse themselves before the Lord. Coming to God for counsel is great. Becoming to God clean is even better. The Bible says they made peace offerings and they made sacrifices and they wept sore and, they, and the priests came in. They went to the house of God. The Ark of the Covenant was there. The priest, Eleazar, Aaron's boys, they come in and, and they begin to consult and talk to God. And they did things a whole lot different the third time around. What I'm trying to get us to see here tonight is Benjamin, I'm sure, as they sat around the table, was probably looking at them thinking, well, what about you? You're coming down here to fight me with all these 400,000 men. Wasn't this lady with Judah? So they got fingers pointing all over the place. Wasn't she with Judah? Wasn't she with your people? The leaders wouldn't give it up. And they lost 40,000 men. They were smitten, the Bible says in verse 35 of chapter 20. The Bible says there was 25,000 of the, of the men that drew sword, Benjamites, that died. 25,000. Over in verse 46, the Bible says, All the which fell that day of the Benjamin was 20 and 5,000 that drew sword. All these were men of valor, but 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness. 
And as these 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness, what did the nation of Israel do? The Bible says they turned again there in verse 48, and they smote them with the edge of the sword, as well as the men in every city, as the beast, and they all came to the hand. Also they set on fire all the cities they came to. Did they need to get rid of sin? Yes. Did they need to ask the counsel of God? Yes. But in both cases, this one on this side was saying, what about you? And this one on this, and this one, that one on that side was saying, well, what about you? And so they come together and they fought. And they lost. Yes, was Israel victorious? Sure they were. Did Israel, did they come out on, uh, with the wind, the 11 tribes, did they come out with the wind? Yes, they did. But man, what a price to lose 40,000 of your own people. To lose 40,000 brethren. The price tag of sin is tremendous. And when we don't get it out of our lives, we pay a heavy price for it. Because what does the Bible say about it in general? The wages of sin is what? It is death. And sin has its way of grabbing hold of a heart in such a way that a man will fight it to the death to never even let go of it. The Bible says there was only a few of these men. There was just certain of them. wasn't all of them. And when they had this meeting, when they had this meeting, you would think that the tribe of Benjamin would say, yeah, you know what, this stuff ain't right. And yeah, they need to, man, get these guys a Belial out of here. We don't want them around here anyway. They cause us problems. I mean, you may as well, while you got 400,000 of your people standing there, they didn't do it. No, we're just gonna keep this sin. No, we're just gonna keep on doing this. No, we're okay with what they did. They put their stamp of approval on it. So God says, well, all of you is guilty. So I'll just take care of all of you. Hmm. What about you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us, Lord, every man, to examine his own self, his own heart. Lord, I've always, I've always felt within myself Lord, I got so much work to do on myself. It's, it sure is hard to look around at everybody else. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all, Lord, to have, have hearts that would be desire to be clean for you. And we live our life in such a way that would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, help us to be a people that Know that we can boldly come before the throne of grace, but also know, God, that having a clean life, forgiveness of sin and washed clean and as we approach the throne is so important. Lord, I pray here tonight that we'd also see and understand the effects that sin can have. God, not just on our life, but on a, on a whole nation on the people. Lord, help us also to see tonight that 
As we point one finger, oftentimes they several pointing right back. And so, Lord, we come before you tonight, just as these folks did here in the Scriptures, and we say, Lord, as we clean up our hearts tonight, God, what do we need to do? Lord, what is your advice? God, what do you say? Lord, I pray here this evening you give us a good week. Lord, I pray that you would just bless. I pray, God, you'd keep us safe as we go out into this world of darkness. Lord, help us to be that effective witness. Help us, God, to live a life that is pleasing in your sight so that while we are out there in the world, the world doesn't point its finger at us and say, well, what about you? Help us, Lord, to live our life in such a way that we are a light to a dark world. Lord, we pray that you would keep us safe as we go home tonight. Bring us back here to our next appointed time on Sunday. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.